So we were sitting around this week having a conversation just about the Christmas time of the year and kind of things that we want to do at downtown Harbor Church. And I said, you know, John, gosh, it'd be really nice if you turned up the energy and the enthusiasm when the announcements during the holiday season. Unfortunately, that did not happen this morning. So thank you so much for those who had to sit through those. Anyway, hey, guys, I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at downtown Harbor Church. Welcome. Um, someone said to me in the lobby, hey, weren't you in Michigan? I didn't think you were going to be here today. So well, I was. We have our big family Christmas up there uh, for the first couple of days before the holiday this year, but I decided to get on a bird and come home for the DHC. I leave at 12.45, so maybe if the service is a little bit shorter, you'll know why. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be the same length. We are smack dab in the middle of this three-week talk, series, discussion, whatever you want to call it, called This Changes Everything. Because it's Christmas time, right? And that's the time of the year that we're in. It's Christmas. And so what we want to do is we want to take a look at these events that happen that we celebrate this time of the year because of. And how when Jesus came to earth, that's what we celebrate, that it changed every single thing in the history of humanity. Nothing was the same after that event. Culturally, historically, love became a priority in the world because of Jesus and what he did in our lives. And we celebrate that around Christmas time. And so what we're doing, and this changes everything, is we're taking a look at the people who are essential to these events. We're taking a look at those very few kind of key players, those people who are essential to the events of the Christmas story. And it's so you know, important for us to kind of take a step back and slow down and tap the brakes at this time of the year so that we can understand that these people who participated in these events were real people. They were people who engaged with the community around them and their culture. They're not just characters in a book or a story. And so last week we talked about Mary and Joseph, Jesus' earthly parents. And we talked about how they're more than just those plastic figurines that you see on the lawn, right? That they're actual people who played a really important part in this story. And then this week, we're going to talk about two sets of people. The first one are these, these guys. They, they were shepherds. And so then we're going to talk about another group as we kind of close the message. But I wanted to talk about the shepherds because I find them to be such an interesting dynamic in this story. Because I started to think about, hey, what was a shepherd like? What did they do? How were they viewed in culture and in society? And furthermore, why did God choose them to reveal to first, don't miss that, first that Jesus was born to this earth? Why did, why did God do that? And we're going to talk about that today. But one of the things we like to do at Downtown Harbor Church is we like to be practical. So I started to think, what might be a modern day version of a shepherd? What might be something that we might be able to look at? And then so I started to think and do some research. And so have you ever seen the show Gold Rush? Okay. If you haven't, I ha I've never seen it, but there's this guy who is like in charge of like the mines and gold rush and his name is Tony Beats. This is a picture of Tony Beats. Okay. Now he's a very successful man, but this is a guy, Tony Beats, who runs this, you know, mining company. It's on the show Gold Rush. And I started to think, you know, he's a little rough around the edges, likes probably has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth all the time. This is the guy who I could think maybe this guy would be like a modern day shepherd. You know, because you gotta admit, this guy walks into a party in Fort Lauderdale, he walks, walks into a gala, he's gonna turn some heads, especially if he came in just like this, right? And so one of the things that I started to think about is how cool this was. This guy was a modern day gold digger. He actually was one of these people who digs for gold modern day. So I was like, this is like one of the only gold diggers I know, right? Because the only gold diggers I see are, you know, ladies at the Blue Martini. But that's not, like, that's not here nor there. This guy's an actual modern day gold digger, right? And so one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to try to understand who the shepherds were and what they, who they were and what they did in their daily life. So here's some things that I discovered about them. They had a very undesirable occupation. They had a job that not a lot of people wanted. 
It was hard. They were taking care of animals, and they were in the fields all the time. In fact, they spent most of their time in fields. Now, think about this. This is not like Illinois in October fields, right, where it's like the weather's beautiful. It might be nice and crisp. This is the Middle East. You've seen the Middle East, right? It's blistering hot. They spend most of their time actually in the fields. They had very little influence, which is so important for us to understand. They had very little influence. They were not looked, looked upon at high regard in culture. They had very little influence, right? So people, because they were in the fields all the time, they didn't have the time to engage with and interact with people around them. They had very little influence. And then, this is the most important one to understand, they were viewed as unclean and dishonest. They were viewed as they were not upright people of the time. They were dishonest and they were unclean. And when I say unclean, here's what I mean. I don't mean like they were dirty from working all day, even though they probably were. Unclean meaning they couldn't even go into the temple. They were viewed as unclean by the people of the time, the religious establishment of the time. They could not even approach, don't miss this, don't miss this. They could not even approach God. That's how they were viewed by the people of the time. They weren't even allowed to enter the doors of what they would think of as a church. We would think of as a church, modern day. And then they were viewed by the people of the time. This is how the shepherds were viewed. They were viewed as the lower class of society. They were viewed as people who didn't really mean a lot. They, were, they spent all their time out in the fields. They didn't engage with people who were around them. They're so bad they weren't even allowed to go into the temple. They were viewed as the lower class of society. But then Jesus was born. Jesus was born and nothing would ever ever be the same again. And then in the book of Luke, the shepherds found out that Jesus was born. God used them to reveal that Jesus was born first. Here's what it says in the book of Luke chapter 2 verse 8. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Think about this for just a second. They were, so, they, they had to, they were out there so long, even during the night, they had to stay in the fields nearby during the night, guarding their flocks of sheep. And then it says, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. And you know what? You would be too if you saw an angel. So would I. I'd be freaked out of my mind, just like them, right? And every Christmas production you've ever seen has like, you know, eight-year-old kids screaming at this light, right? Because they were probably terrified. But then the angel reassured them. The angel said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the one who if we say yes to believing in him, we are made right with the Father God, the creator of the universe, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. We tend to think of a manger as the barn where Jesus was born, but that's actually called the stable. The manger was this trough that Jesus was placed in. It was this manger that they put him in, right? This is the savior of the world that they placed in this manger. And then what happened was, after this happened, the shepherds hurried to see Jesus. They, they, they rushed, they left everything, and they go, okay, if this angel is going to tell us that this newborn Messiah has been born, we gotta get out of here. We gotta go see him. So they did. And then in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, it says this, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. So I began to ask myself a question. 
because I go, there seems to be a problem. Because there's always a problem, as they say around here. I started to ask myself, what in the world was God thinking? Why would God tell the lower class of society, these people who were viewed by their you know, people of the time who surrounded them as the lower class of society, why would God choose them to reveal this information to first? Because they didn't have any influence. Nobody was going to believe these guys. Why would God do this? Why would he reveal that Jesus was born to these lowly shepherds? And furthermore, why would God choose the people who couldn't even enter the temple? They couldn't even tell anybody in the temple about what they had seen. Why would God choose them? Why would he do that? These kind of -of run-of-the-mill hicks, these shepherds, why would God tell them? It didn't make any sense to me. But then I found out the answer to my own question. It's because this, because everything was changing. Everything in culture, everything that they knew from that point forward was going to be different and it would change. And God was revealing himself to the shepherds first because they weren't even allowed to engage with the people of the time. The religious, you know, they claimed to be of the time, they weren't even allowed to engage. The shepherds weren't. And God chose them to reveal Jesus to first because what God was doing through the birth of Jesus and it changed history, God's first act through Jesus was to smash societal norms. It was to smash through them. Because religion was for the elite. Religion was for the wealthy. Religion was for the wise. And if you weren't one of those, or you didn't have that information, stiff arm you got, you can't even come in the door. And God's first thing was he revealed the birth of Jesus to the lowest of culture, and he smashed through those societal norms because he was changing everything. And through the birth of Jesus, he was letting the world know that this new movement, this new way of being, this love God by loving other people thing, you know who it's for? Every single person, not just those who are wealthy, not just those who are scholars, not just those who are wise, it's for everyone. It's for you, it's for you and you and me. It changed everything. But what I love so much about God and his story and his character is yes, he chose to reveal that Jesus was born first to the shepherds, but then he also did it to another group of people as well. This group of people, the wise men or magi. So, and I want everybody in the room to kind of do this like we did last week. Remember who we're talking about, because you've probably heard of these characters in the Christmas story before, but they're actual real people. Like you've probably seen the wise men before, whether it's on TV or in a, you know, stage production. I don't know where you've seen it, but usually they're, you know, dressed in the garb and the capes with the beards and they're carrying the gifts, but these are real people. And so just like when I put Tony Beats up here from Gold Rush, one of the things that we like to do is we like to be really practical. And so I was like, hey, let's come up with a modern-day wise person to kind of show everybody as well. Why not? We put up a modern-day shepherd in the form of Gold Rush's Tony Beats. So we spent like hours like leafing through stuff. And here's what we found, right? Because the wise men had it all together. We found there's a lot of smart people out there. But a lot of people who are smart aren't necessarily religious. And oh boy, is there a lot of religious people about there, specifically Christians. We're like, let's find one of them. And we're like, most of them we found were idiots, right? And they just say things they shouldn't say and they alienate culture. And it's just, so we couldn't do that either. And then we're like, well, maybe Oprah. Like we could put Oprah up, but then we decided, nah, not Oprah either. She's not, no, we don't put Oprah up. So what we said was we couldn't find anybody because these wise men were so uniquely gifted in what they had. 
And I'm going to talk about some of the things that they were experts in in culture. Because they were known, not the lower class of society. They were not viewed by people as the lower class of society. They were known as the priestly and the political class of society. They were the hierarchy. These people were the cream of the crop. They knew everything about everything. They were interacting with culture all the time. And they were so smart and so wise. In fact, they were considered to be experts in science was the first thing. They knew about science and how it was changing people's ways of thinking and how it would revolutionize the modern world. They were experts in mathematics. They understood equations and were some of the first people to develop some of those things. They knew agriculture like you would not believe. Consider them experts in it. They were also experts in history and politics. And then lastly, religion. They knew what it meant to be close to God. And so what we found was that we couldn't really find anybody who was an expert in all of these things this, in this modern day. This is how unique these wise men were. And in the wise men's research and history and learning and their scrolls, it was foretold that at some point there would be an amazing bright star shining in the east that would sig signify that the Messiah had been born that Jesus had arrived. And when that star, when you see that, they knew because how close they were to God, they knew that they were going to go follow that star and see the Messiah. But on their way, they ran into a guy. It's an interesting character in the story. We're not going to talk about him for long, but it's this guy named King Herod. Well, King Herod was basically a tyrant ruler of the time. And I don't know about you, but if you know anything about history, kings generally didn't like to have their power threatened or taken away. They liked their throne. They liked to be in charge. They liked to be in command. So Herod encounters these wise men on their journey to see Jesus because now they've seen the star, and this is what they say to him. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, they ask, hey, where is the child who's been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. Now we have come to worship him. Now remember, God revealed this to very few people, so the king had no idea. The people who were under his rule had no idea. And if you're a king, you don't like your authority threatened. Who's this new king of the Jews? I don't like this. But Herod had to manipulate them. So even though Herod would have a plot to destroy the newborn king, here's what Herod said to the wise men. He said, hey... Oh, this sounds great. Tell, tell you this. When you find him, let me know so that I can go and worship him too. The wise men were like, okay, we'll come back and tell you where he is. But then the text goes on and it says, the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them. It finally stopped over the place where the child was. And it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The wise men went to the house. There they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. There they opened their treasures, and they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But God warned them, don't miss this, this is so key, related to the King Herod. But God warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they returned to their country on a different road. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you're not familiar with those, maybe, you know, if you're an essential oils user, like doTERRA, like, you know, you might, you might know those, okay? Because I put those, like, one of my neck gets hurt, I put a little frankincense on there, and it seems to... You know, the, the magi brought it to Jesus. Might work on my muscles. I don't know, but it works, right? Okay? This is so important. Because in one moment, look at what God did. God took what was viewed as the lower class of society and then the wisest, wealthiest, most powerful class in society. And he sent them both to Jesus. Because he said, no longer is the religion just meant for the elite, because historically it was. 
Historically, religion was just meant for those with power, those with knowledge, those with money. They couldn't even get close to God if you didn't have those things. Historically, it was meant for the elite. But everything was changing. Every single thing was changing. These lowly shepherds who were real people with bad jobs that we probably wouldn't want to have, right? God said to them, hey, go. An angel told them, you're going to see what's there. And then the wealthiest, most powerful people in history, the wise men, God said, go. There's the star. Go and see this newborn king because this is for everything. Jesus' arrival on earth signaled a new beginning. Jesus' arrival to earth signaled a new beginning. And here's what it said. That new beginning, for the first time ever, said this. It said, everyone was welcome at the table. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your stuff is. It doesn't matter what you're carrying around. It doesn't matter what race you are. Everyone is now welcome at this table. The table that Jesus says, say yes to me, and you are made right with the Father and the Creator God, and then go love other people as yourself. Everyone is now welcome at that table. Everyone. And I know that this is true. And how I know it's true is because of who God chose to reveal to that Jesus was born. I know everyone is welcome at the table and has a chance to follow after Jesus because he took the shepherds and he took the wise men. And if he can take those two groups of people and say, you guys go, the upper echelon, the lower class, if you guys go, that means it's meant for everyone and that means every single one of us as well. And you know what the problem is? My problem is, based on this example, is that I've watched the local church stiff-arm people for a lot of years and said, hey, you're not like us. You got this going on. You do this over here. You can't come in and engage with us and be a part of us. Sure, you're welcome enough to occupy a seat. That might even end at some point too, but you definitely can't volunteer. You definitely can't engage. This is a problem because if the message of Jesus is for everyone, every single person, then the local church should be the most welcoming, loving, inviting place that has ever been around, and it's not. And I could not stand it for one more day. That's why we did what we did last year. And you've heard me say that before if you've been around here, but you're going to hear it again because it's at the core of every single thing that we talk about around downtown Harbor Church. And why we were so sad, what I heard someone say one time, the most segregated, I've heard this, the most segregated hour of the week is 10 a.m. on a Sunday. And I said to myself, well, how could this be? How, how have we missed this? If, if, if God showed the shepherds who were the lowest end and, and, and the wise men who were the highest end of culture, how could this be? How could we have messed this up? How could we have told people that God and Jesus was not for them? And how could we have told people, you can't engage with us right where you're at? How could we have done this? It's so clear. It's right here. That's why it down, so I'm preaching this morning. You know what I mean? I'm, gosh, I'm getting going, okay? Thank you so much. Okay, but here's the deal. So when we started Downtown Harbor Church, we kind of came up with five core things that we were going to identify and then we were going to remove and take away. And this is one of them. Conditional acceptance. That, hey, once you agree to come in here and think like us and be like us, and act like us, then you can engage. Then you can be a part of what we're doing. 
And the truth is, is that every single one of us are different. Our own staff at Downtown Harbor Church, we're all different. We took this completely away. We said, hey, you don't have to be like us to join us because all of us are different anyway. We do have this common thread that we believe that Jesus is who he said that he was, the risen Messiah, the son of the living God. We, we agree on that, right? There's a lot of differentialities, and we said, hey, listen, we're going to take away this idea of conditional acceptance, the idea that you have to be like us to join us because God laid it out so clearly. He laid out every single piece of it, and he said to the shepherds, and he said to the wise men, the two you know, polar opposites of culture, he said, hey, this new movement, this is for you. And if it's for them, then you know who else it's for? Every single one of us. And it's for every single one of our friends and family who live in this community, who don't want to engage. It's for every single person in this room. It's for every single person in our community. It's for every single person in our city. That's how amazingly powerful this message is. But you know where that starts for a lot of people? For 99% of people? It starts inside the local church. That's why these doors are always going to be wide open for everybody. No matter where you're at, no matter what kind of stuff you've had going on in your life, no matter what you deal with, these doors are always open. There's always an opportunity and a chance for you to engage here because God started with the two polar ends of culture. You know what God did through the shepherds and the wise men? He did this. God used the shepherds and the wise men to show the world that this new movement is for everyone, every single person. The shepherds were real. They had one of those jobs that you're like, man, I would never want. They weren't just figurines in a play set like we've seen throughout our lives. They were real people. And God said to them, hey, Jesus is here. He's for you. Go. And then those wisest, most powerful, political, wealthy people that have ever lived, the wise men. God said, hey, when that star's over there, that means it's for you. This new movement is for everyone. Don't miss that. Especially take some time this holiday season, this Christmas season, to slow down and remember that. Because so often we're kind of running to get gifts or running to the next party or running crazy or traveling to see family and we're fighting airports and we're doing stuff. Don't forget to take the time to just tap the brakes and to go, you know what? I think maybe even sometimes for the first time I understand this. There were these two groups of people. Low, high. At least that's how they were viewed at the time by culture. And God said to both of them, hey, this new movement's for you. Go get him. That's why I sent him to earth, to restore and save humanity. It's for everyone, all of us. God used the shepherds and the wise men to show the world that this new movement is for everyone. Don't forget that. It's powerful. It's passionate. And change your life if you let it. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you do. And I'm so thankful that you chose to show who you were to these two new groups of people who had not engaged before. And you said, yeah, listen, it's for the wealthy, it's for the elite, it's for the shepherds, it's for the... It, it doesn't matter. May we look at that, understand it, and take it forward. Not only just at Downtown Harbor Church, but in our lives. Because there's always a seat at the table. You kind of stand there and you say, hey, if you want me, I'm here. And then you say, come on in and have a seat. Right where we're at. So God, I'm thankful for it. I love you. I'm so thankful that you showed us this through these two groups of people. 
We celebrate it today. We celebrate who you are today at this time of year. We pray this today all in Jesus' name. Amen.